Let's go to the Lord in prayer together, shall we? Heavenly Father, it's a good day. Uh, today we celebrate the resurrection of your Son. We celebrate life today. The knowledge that you did not stay in the grave, but that you rose again, conquering sin and death forever. And Lord, you've demonstrated by your resurrection that is the first fruits of the resurrection. It is a model, it is a pattern where we can all see now that we too will be raised just like Jesus was. That our bodies, though frail now, Lord, we, we need kidneys at times. Our, our hips go out, our knees go out. But Lord, frail as they are now, You've promised in Your Word that on the last day we will rise to a new and glorious body. One eternally fit for the very real Kingdom of God. And so Lord, we lay hold of that hope, the hope of resurrection, that Jesus has paved the way for us and that we are now to follow in His footsteps by faith in Him with the knowledge that on the last day we will rise. And our lives, though frail now, will be preserved for eternity. We thank you for that hope. We claim it this day. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was uh, in high school, we had a tradition in our church, our youth group. We would go, uh, the guys would go off to guys camp. And uh, I don't know what a hair straightener is, Corey, but we didn't have any hair straighteners at guys camp. What is a hair straightener? And why does a man like you have one of those? It helps you shape and mold. Okay, needless to say, when we went to guys camp, we went up to Northern California to the Trinity River. Anybody been up to the Trinity River up there? All right, a few of you. Terrell, yes, all right, good. Beautiful, beautiful place up past Shasta, you know. And, and uh, we go out there every year for guys camp. And the guys, you know, no, no uh, hair straighteners. We just we brought up our toothbrush, maybe, and some food, and you know, uh, some clothes on our back, and that was it. We we camped out in the dirt and, and the beauty of God's creation. And like any high school teenage boys, we did crazy things. And so we would we would go to the river, and uh, our youth pastor would kind of you know watch from a distance, like hoping and praying that none of us would get hurt. But we would uh, we would. Notice that in the river, there's portions of the Trinity River where there's pretty good rapids, really. Um, you, you can, you know, ride down in a raft if you'd like. And then there are some spots where you can actually just go down just, just your body, kind of like body rafting, if you will. And you can slide down the rocks and go in different places. So, so we had this whole run set up, all the high school guys, where, you know, you'd start at the top and you'd, you'd slide down on your back and you'd be sliding down almost like, uh, you know, going over to, uh, what's it called, Wild Rivers, right? They moved it though, right? Uh, anyway, wild rivers, like going down a slide, only on rocks. So not as, so not as, uh, uh, you know, not as uh, conducive, if you will, to uh, going down a slide. So anyway, we, 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 we're, pattern, we're, we're following the path, we're going down this slide, we're making this long, long uh, journey for all the guys. And uh, sure enough, we take a few runs and... And uh, we, try, we change the course up a little bit. We make a few different turns down the, down the river. 
And uh, at one point, my one of the youth interns named Brent Gorris, uh, he was about my age now, and uh, he was one of the youth helpers, the guy helpers. He noticed a certain spot where it was kind of dangerous, so he had kind of parked himself along the rocks as the guys went down. Well, sure enough, I got to the top of the, uh, the, the, the run, and I went down, and I'm sliding down, going pretty fast. The rapids are all around me, but I'm still flying through. And I get to this one dangerous spot, and sure enough, I go in, and I go straight down. Because you see, where I went in as a 15-year-old boy, I went into a whirlpool like vortex in the river. And I went down, I mean straight down, to the bottom of this whirlpool. And it was only about uh, eight feet deep, mind you. So I could literally see all around me. I could see the people above me as I was at the bottom of this whirlpool and my feet were literally on the ground of the river And I couldn't move. And I remember, you know, just thinking for just a moment, this could be bad. (laughs) And and I, I, I tried to, you know, swim up, which is the wrong thing to do. And I kept swimming up, swimming up, swimming up, swimming up. And I'm reaching and reaching and reaching. My head's completely submerged. And my hand can just barely get up out of the water. And sure enough, just as I was beginning to panic, Brent Gorris, my youth intern, reached in and picked me up out of the whirlpool and set me up on a rock. And I was just exhausted. Absolutely exhausted. I was scared. I wasn't that good of a swimmer at the time, so I I was kind of panicked and scared. And I was just so grateful that even though, I I mean, at that point I was just kind of reaching. I couldn't even see what I was doing. But at the last second I reached my hand out and he grabbed mine and picked me up and pulled me to safety. It was automatic for me when when I felt that hand grab mine to grab hold tightly to his And it didn't take much effort for me. It was just instinct. He reached down, I felt his hand, and I grabbed it, and he pulled me straight up. I held on for dear life. And when faced, when faced with life and death, and we're offered a life preserve like that one, we cling to it like nothing else, don't we? It's automatic. It's instinctual. When faced with life or death, and we're given an opportunity to live, we cling to it. We grab hold of it. And we don't let go. But then, we look at the story of Easter. And we think, is that what happened in the story of Jesus Christ at Easter. We would think, from a human perspective, that it would be foolish to reach up and to have the opportunity to be saved and to not grab the hand. To say, yeah, you know, I'll pass on that. It would be foolish of me at the time to, to reach up and when, when I held... when I, when I receive the touch of that hand, it would have been foolish of me to slap it away. To say, I don't want it. I'm going to wait for the next hand. That would be a foolish thing to do. But when we look at the story of Easter, we see a story in which the God-man, Jesus Christ, looked 
at the opportunity to preserve his life and said, I'll pass. The Bible makes it quite clear that, uh, that even though Jesus in his humanity uh, you know, limited himself on this earth, you know, he, he limited himself personally in certain ways. Uh, he limited his knowledge. He didn't always know who touched him on the cloak. Uh, he limited his powers in certain times, relying on the Lord and on the Spirit to perform uh, many of his miracles. But there's one thing that's indelibly clear in the Scriptures, and that is that Jesus could have called on the Lord at any time to give him aid, and he would have been given it. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, we see Jesus interacting with Satan. They're in the wilderness, and Satan is tempting Jesus. And, and it says in Mark chapter 4, um, beginning in verse 5, I'm sorry, I'm in the, Matthew chapter 4. No wonder I was in the wrong spot, excuse me. In Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 5, this is what happened between Jesus and Satan. It says, Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set Jesus on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Satan took Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple and said, Jump. Jump. Why? Because God has put His angels charge over you. He's given them to you to protect you, Jesus. And Satan, quoting Scripture, says, He shall give you His angels. And in their hands... They shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Satan was tempting Christ. He was trying to get Jesus to jump, to demonstrate that He was in fact the Son of God. That God had in fact assigned angels to protect Him and care for Him. Jesus could, at a moment's notice, have called out at that moment and received the protection of those angels. How much more so at the cross... We look at the story of Easter today. And on uh, Good Friday, we celebrated the, uh, the death, we, we honored the death of Christ as a community. And we look upon that death and we think to ourselves, could, could it have passed? Could he have avoided it? Could he have come down off that cross? Could he have called upon the angels? Could he have called upon the Father and said, No more, this hurts. I want down from here. Could he have done that? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Jesus could have looked upon the Father and said, I want down. This is too much for me to bear in my flesh. Take me off this cross. And where would we be had Jesus opted for that course? Where would we be if Jesus chose to get down off that cross? If He called His angels to protect Him? You remember the cries of those around Him. They said, hey, you know, call to the Lord. If you're the Son of God, then call out to Him. He should save you, right? 
Jesus could have done that. And if He had, where would we be? We would be lost. Still in our sins. In dire need of redemption. But Jesus did not choose to get down off that cross. He did not choose to call upon the angels or to call upon the Father to come and to give Him aid. Instead, He went willfully to the cross. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. It says that He made Himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He willfully chose to stay on that cross. Paul says in Philippians, he became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. He made a choice. He made a decision. He had the option to call on the Father. He had the option to call on the angels. Satan had already told him about that option in Matthew chapter 4. The people all around him had, cried, had mocked him and cried out to him, hey, if you're the Son of God, call out for help. He had that option. And he knew it. He had that life preserved. And he knew it. And he didn't reach out and grab it. The world, friends, uh, the world cannot interpret that. The world cannot interpret the idea, the notion that someone would have a life preserve thrown to them. And for them, in the waters, drowning, for them to look upon that life preserve and say, I'm not going to take it. The world looks at that, and quite frankly, we all look at that and we think, who would do that? Who would when thrown a life preserve, not grab it instinctually like I grabbed the hand of the man above me? Who would not instinctually grab it and hold on to it and perhaps push others away who are going to grab hold of it as well? The world looks upon the sacrifice of Christ and it makes no sense to them. The cross, it makes no sense. The crucifixion, it makes no sense. And that is why in 1 Corinthians, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to spend the rest of our, most of our time here. That is why in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul calls it foolishness. He says when the world looks at the cross, when the world looks at the crucifixion, when the world looks at Good Friday, they say foolish. This can't be. This can't be the path. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, Paul writes, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Jump down to the middle of verse 21. Once again, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Jump down to the middle of 21. It pleased God, though, through the foolishness of the message preached through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews request a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks 
Foolishness. Paul says it three times. The world cannot comprehend this. It makes no sense to them, and it makes no sense to us, that someone will be tossed a life preserve and to say, I don't want it. I'll die instead. In this world, we have a, I've, I've got mine mentality. I'm going to get mine mentality. Where the world is out for number one, and number one alone. We're kicking and screaming and biting and devouring each other. We do all we can to get ahead in life. To earn more money. To get a bigger house, a bigger car. The world is all about the self. Self-centeredness. Selfishness. And to be thrown... A, a, a life preserve and to let it go, the world says, what are you talking about? Not only would I grab on, I would keep others from getting on. Foolishness, the world says. Foolishness. And it would have been foolish. It would have been foolish had Jesus remained in that grave. But as one man has put it, the truth does not stay buried very long. The truth does not stay buried very long. And God raised up Jesus on the third day. He raised Him up. The man who let go of the life preserve, He raised Him up and He exalted Him high above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Something miraculous happened to the one who refused the life preserve. By that one act of selflessness, Jesus changed the whole world. Jump back to Romans chapter 5, just a book earlier from 1 Corinthians. In Romans chapter 5, we see Paul going back and forth between the one man Adam and the one man Christ. The act of one man Adam and what it did, and the act of the man Christ, the God-man, and what He did. And in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 18, Paul writes this. He says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. Jump down to verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. He's speaking of Adam there. And he's saying, look, from the beginning of creation... Through Adam, we have all inherited a sin nature. We're all sinners. We're all separated from God. We're all destined for condemnation. It's as if the world, because of sin, is drowning. And we're in desperation with heads underwater, holding up hands hoping to grab anything to find any Savior who would pull us up out of the water. And thank God there is a Redeemer. Paul continues in verse 18, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's, this is Christ, righteous act, the free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life. 
19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. And the question is, will we take the hand that is offered to us to pull us up out of the water? Will we take the hand that is being offered to us to pull us up and to preserve our lives? I was, um, Lloyd mentioned in his prayer, uh, a prayer for the homeless. And it's true that we minister to a lot of homeless people at Coast. Um, we're trying to find better ways to minister to them, actually. And, and there's uh, uh, Jody's father has some good ideas. And we're, hopefully we're going to be talking to him in the future about how to better minister to the homeless community in Orange County. Because we get a lot of them. They walk in the door and, and they have various needs, always. And, and uh, we, we show them a lot of compassion and love. The gals in the office are always showing kindness to them. And through your benevolent gifts, many of the gifts that you give to the Benevolent Fund go to help some of those who are homeless and hurting. But we had one homeless individual in particular. And uh, this gal, she, uh, she was asking for help. And we had been helping her for about 12 to 18 months. And she's been asking for help, asking for help, asking for help. And we get to a point where we turn to them and say, okay, we've helped you for a time, and right now we would like you to show a good faith effort that you are trying to remedy your situation in life. We would like to see you apply for for long-term housing at one of these uh, long-term shelters. We would like to see you get involved in in a program, a Christian program, or maybe a larger church program that has the capacity and the ability to take you in and to see you through a time of transition that you might be able to then, after 60 or 90 or... Uh, 60 or 90 days that you might be able to get back up on your feet, get a job, and perhaps uh, get your own place. And so this one gal who had uh, been coming to the church often, she had been asking for help and asking for help. And I said, uh, I got to the point where I said, you know what I'm going to do for you today? She said, what? I said, I'm going to get on the phone, because she, she lived further south from here, about 40 miles south. I said, I'm going to get on the phone and I'm going to call every church and Christian ministry in that area of northern San Diego County and I'm going to find you a place. She said, okay, okay, thank you, you know. So we, we hung up the phone and, and I was actually uh, driving to San Diego that day to visit a friend and while I was on the road I was just calling churches and calling uh, shelters and calling different ministries and, and efforts that, uh, that could perhaps reach out to this gal. And after a full day of calling and then some, I finally got a message back from a ministry called Green Oaks Ranch. Wonderful ministry. They're down in uh, the Vista area. And they take in uh, alcohol and drug-related folks. And then also at times some of the homeless. And they take them in and they have a whole program where they bring them through a restoration process. It's wonderful. These people have no hope. They're hurting. They're drowning. And this Green Oaks Ranch reaches down and pulls them up. And so I was so excited. I was so excited. And I get, uh, get back to the office the next day, and I tell the gals in the office, I'm so excited I found a place for our friend. And they were, the, the gals were excited too. So I pick up the phone, and I get a hold of this individual, and I let her know the good news. 
that, hey, we have found a place for you. They're going to take you in for 60 days free of charge. Um, They're going to work with you to help you get your your disability set up, to perhaps find you a little bit of work, if you're able to work. She had some problems with her eyes and whatnot. And, And you're going to get on a good path. And I could tell immediately by her reaction that she wasn't going to go there. And she said, well, um, so tell me more about it. Okay, so, well, what are the living facilities like? Well, uh, you know, would I be able to do this and this? And, well, that's kind of far from where I am. Fifty excuses. hundred excuses. And I just sat there on the phone and thought to myself, I spent half a day calling, researching, just Normally, I don't do that. But I just felt like, you know what, I'm going to go the extra mile for this person. I spent half my day and then some searching for all these opportunities. And when I found it, I offered it to her. I said, here it is. Take it. And she passed. She let it go. I called um, Mary at... Green Oak Ranch. I said, Mary, I'm so sorry. I said, I, I, I wasted your time. I said, I wasted your time. I thought I had, I thought this guy was going to come. We had, you know, she and I, Mary and I had talked for, for, you know, and half an hour or so. And I said, apparently this gal is just not going to come. She said, you know what, Neil? She'll come one day. And I said, I don't know. She said, no, she'll come. But she'll come when it's a life or death matter. She said she hasn't hit rock bottom yet. But she will come one day. She said, don't, don't, uh, don't be discouraged. Don't get beat up about it. She'll come. But it'll have to be a life or death matter. We wouldn't think... We wouldn't think of, thrown, of being thrown a life preserve and tossing it away as we were drowning. We wouldn't think of it. If we were drowning and someone threw us a preserve, we would grab hold of it and cling for dear life. It's natural. It's instinctual. And sometimes I wonder on Easter Sunday, why don't people jump at the chance to cling to Jesus Christ. And you know what the answer is? Because they're not at that life or death moment. Because they're blinded by riches. They're blinded by entertainment. They're blinded by the lusts and the cares of this world. And like Mary at Green Oak said, until they are faced with a life or death effort, many people will not choose life. And so my challenge to you this Easter Sunday, I want to speak to your hearts about preserving your life. Not just beyond the grave, but now. Right now, where you are. If you want a life that's meaningful, if you want a life that's whole, if you want a life that's complete, then don't just wait for that life or death moment when you're lying on your deathbed looking back over your life and saying, oh, I have so many regrets, but I guess I'll cling to this now. 
to preserve your life, to give yourself an opportunity for abundant life, now turn to Jesus Christ. He is offering you His hand. He is ready to pull you up. He wants to do it now. It doesn't have to be your life or death moment. You could be slightly straying away from Him. You could be a believer who's maybe turned away for a time. Or you could be someone who's so enveloped in the world today you don't know how you're going to get out. No matter where you are on that spectrum, turn to Christ now. He's offering you His hand. Jesus Christ was the one who threw aside the life preserve, who said, no, I don't want it. Why? Because He knew that by His death and by His resurrection, He would be the life preserve for the whole world. He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, but not ours only, for the sins of the whole world. By not coming down off that cross, Jesus became our life preserve. And I share with you today, and I urge you today, preserve your life by turning to Him in faith, by holding on to His hand this Easter, by walking with Him. Your life will never be the same. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, that You give us life. And Lord, we regret the moments where You offer us that life And because we're not in that life or death moment, because we are distracted, because we like the things of this world, Lord, sometimes we have to confess that we don't cling to the life that You offer to us. But God, abundant and rich and whole life is found in You and You alone. We confess that, Father. We recognize that Jesus Christ is the only one in whom life can be found and lived. So Lord, help us as a people. Whether we're drowning in sin, or whether we are slightly distracted in life, help us to turn to Jesus this day. May we grab hold of His hand, for we know He will pull us up and set our feet upon a rock. Bless us, Lord, this Easter. May our eyes ever be on your Son, Jesus Christ. In His name we pray. Amen.